Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast. My name is Zach Reese. I'm your host. It is the November 18, 2017 edition. So uh, things are sort of wrapping up for the rest of the year. Uh, we keep talking about this for the past few weeks, but it, it really is. Uh, we don't have a lot of news this week, in fact, because of that. Uh, but we still have some exciting things coming up here pretty soon uh, with the advent of PlayStation Experience, for example. Uh, Sony released their list of games that are going to be playable uh, from the event. Some pretty exciting things to be happening. I'll be there, Zach Reese. Uh, I actually think I managed to get a press pass. So that means we'll have a lot of access to a lot of those games. And so stay tuned to the site for that. But until then, um, we still have some things that have been happening this week. Some exciting uh, announcements that we should get to. Uh, but first, before we get into all that, I'd like to talk about the guests that we have for this. So uh, lately, it's been sort of a rotating chair deal, which is great because we get to hear a lot of uh, unique voices on this podcast. First off, though, we've got the guy that's kind of been here for a little bit, uh, James Glizio. Yo. Yo. Uh, and that's not to, of course, be dismissing you. Of course, we value your opinion and all. Uh, then we've also got Natalie Flores. Hi. Hey, it's actually been a hot minute since you were last on the podcast. Uh, you don't obviously yeah. get a lot of chances, so it's nice <laughs> to have you back. Yay, thank you. Glad to be here. Yes, uh, obviously you're going to have uh, some important things to talk about here because uh, I wanted to get into the Horizon DLC. So Frozen Wilds came out just uh, a little over a week ago, and it's been exciting because I personally just beat Horizon Zero Dawn over the week over the last weekend. <gasps> you yes. beat it already? Yes, I uh, <laughs> I went actually kind of. Um, I wouldn't say I, st- I totally critical pathed it, uh, but I just figured I had a lot to do, and I wanted to get the um, the special armor. I'm not going to spoil any further than that. I, w- I wanted to get some special armor, and then I kind of moved my way. But for what it's worth, I talked about this in the last podcast, but I had a great time with it. But you were the one who reviewed uh, the Frozen Wild story DLC that came out very recently. And I wanted to... We talked about it a little bit... Uh, the only other person that was with me last week was Adam, and he uh, he's, he's kind of still in the midst of playing uh, Horizon Zero Dawn himself. He hasn't really gotten that far, so we couldn't really talk about it that much. Actually, I think he he did play some Frozen Wilds, I believe. He just didn't have a full rounded opinion. I wanted to hear it straight from you, though. Uh, why don't you share some of your thoughts about that? Because I'd love to hear it. Um, my thoughts on the Horizon DLC, I I feel like it wasn't anything, you know, it's not like a DLC, like say the Citadel DLC for Mass Effect 3, that was something totally game-changing, that was something very unique and different from the main game. But I think that's a good thing because we've had such an amazing year for video games. Like it's hard to keep up with all of these amazing releases that are so top quality and wonderful in different ways. And so I think the Horizon DLC is kind of like this way of uh the company to say like hey horizon zero dawn it's it's still here it's like here for some time to come and it's actually a really great game just because the dlc is more of just horizon zero dawn which is fantastic because horizon zero dawn is an amazing game in my opinion so i enjoyed it for sure yeah it's it's amazing um because and like this is sort of once again like a uh uh, um, a spillover from last week's discussion, but we—I I was personally very interested in it because last year, actually around this time of PlayStation Experience 2016, I had a, my first chance to go hands-on with Horizon Zero Dawn, and I was—you know—for the longest time, I—I I was excited to tra- play this game ever since they first showed any footage of it, which was you know the robots in the forest. Uh, that was our first little taste of what 
potentially this was until we heard that it was from Guerrilla Games. And I've got such a fondness for that developer because I love the uh, writing in the Killzone games, which is weird to say about a first-person shooter, but that's kind of what that series is sort of known for, um, the fact that it kind of went higher uh, up on its narrative than a lot of the other ones in its genre. But then um, this kind of came out, and like last week, we spent a lot of time discussing how uh, amazing it was that um, you know, despite some qualms that people may have about either game, really, Horizon Zero Dawn and Zelda Breath of the Wild, this was their first real attempts for either developer to make an open-world RPG, and they pretty much knocked out of the park, all things considered. And so, now you've got, of course, this Frozen Wilds uh, DLC, which sounds like that might be kind of it for the game, outside of yeah. maybe, you know, patches, yeah. So, uh, I actually was kind of curious, because... Um, as we said, your review is up on the site, rpgsite.net, uh, where you guys can check it out. But I was curious to hear where exactly you think um, they can go from there. Do you think that they'll make another Horizon Zero Dawn, which, based on the way events kind of wrap up in the game, it kind of makes it seem like that's definitely the case. Is there anything you would like to see now that you've played Horizon Zero Dawn and Frozen Wilds? Um, I kind of think that part of this discussion might go into the Game of the Year stuff. But um, is there <laughs> any, any kind of direction you think they could take it that would... Like you, any improvements you can see that they can make on the formula? Oh God! So the the amazing thing about going back to what you said about uh, Breath of the Wild and Horizon Zero Dawn being like amazing first dives into the open world uh, RPG genre for their respective companies um, and developers, I think Horizon is. The really impressive thing about Horizon is that we've had a lot of amazing games this year, but they're part of established series, yeah. while Horizon Zero Dawn is this entirely new independent project. But it manages in one game to just include so much lore and so much development of like that world. It just feels so alive because it's it's written in a way that just feels so fleshed out. And so I... I don't think I have an idea as to where we could go from here on out just because there's a lot of little like hints like they give they do give hints like oh hey like there might be something else in the future kind of like little nods yeah um, yeah it's pretty funny and so um so I definitely there definitely will be another game I imagine but uh I don't know exactly where they could head but I have a few theories that kind of go into spoiler territory just because um that game really expands on its lore in a very like in a very like well-rounded way um but there are certain mysteries that are definitely still left open on purpose because they want to create a new game uh well not a new game but like another installment and make this a franchise that they could kind of build on yeah absolutely i mean there definitely are characters that weren't that could you know definitely be fleshed out some more especially when we're talking about you know the history uh but is there like certain gameplay uh mechanics and things like that that were in this game that you didn't feel were done very well that you think they need to focus on in the next one um hmm. because the combat is one of my favorite things i love the combat It, it is so fun yeah it just feels so fluid and so fun um, I don't have any thoughts on what they could particularly improve on because that was one of the very, like, top favorite things about that game for me. Just the combat. It feels so good to play. 
Okay, good. Well, then if there's no, if it's already a perfect game, then I don't know how much else can improve. <laughs> I guess maybe they could add always more monsters. I sure. think I think that was a criticism. There weren't enough uh, monsters, so not a, enough of a like variety in terms of the enemies. So I guess that could be something that they could focus on, just creating more monsters. And I'm sure they have you know a lot of creativity to go a bunch of places with those types of monsters that yeah. they want to create. It reminded me that you were actually debating whether to give this game um, a 10 out of 10 versus a 9 out of 10. You went with the 9, I think, in due part because of the variety. Uh, you can also make an argument for like how you know bunched up a lot of the enemies are and how you know it can be kind of difficult to get around them sometimes. And uh, it can be kind of claustrophobic as well, trying to manage that when you're almost always getting spotted. I mean, you can make a case for the fact that the stealth armor is so damn good in this game. That's pretty much the one you should really aim for outside mm-hmm. of the uh, secret armor. But um definitely there's there's definitely places you can look to maybe like more environments you know different places you can traverse rather than like the typical it's mostly just you know forests and ledges and definitely tundras you know so um i'm excited for that uh there's clearly things that you know for example we talked about last week about where breath of the wild can improve you know stamina (laughs) stamina and climbing (laughs) in the rain uh but horizon zero dawn it's they're both i think both those games are sort of mature storytelling experiences uh but the great thing about yeah horizon is that they don't really have any real uh legacies that they need to sort of adhere to to make people happy it's that this is their own type of uh this is their baby uh and they can do whatever they want mm-hmm. so uh i'm i'm just yeah i'm i'm with you i'm i'm very happy that they were able to do something like this with something so new um and they can really launch from there to develop something even more amazing so uh yeah I, you know the fact that we're all sort of in the agreement uh, even Kyle i know Kyle's been um uh, Kyle Campbell, a uh, part of the site, yeah. he's been playing mm-hmm. Horizon Zero Dawn, and uh, you definitely could tell uh, when you were following his tweets, for example, that he was sort of iffy about it, and then he, the more he played it, the more he got into it, which is kind of the experience I had. And he said he loved the combat, so it's going to be interesting to hear what our discussion is going to be next month. Uh, but that kind of leads us into the next game that you've been playing, that I'm sure is going to be at the top of Lavoon's uh, minds when we're discussing Game of the Years, um, Game of the Year, uh, Game of the Year titles, excuse me, and that's Near Automata. Ah, <sighs> big sigh big sign yeah. um yeah i keep uh i keep going back to that game and I, I mean it feels weird to say i keep going back to it because i didn't really leave it like it's been months and i have this weird ritual ever since i finished the, like the game where i go on youtube and i stay on a random night i'll stay up until like two in the morning watching let's plays of near automata just because i i'm one of those people that when i tell someone hey you should play this i get even more excited than them because i really like seeing what friends and people I care about what they think about my favorite things because I've connected emotionally to this thing so much that I'm so excited for that person to experience it and to see how their experience compares to mine so um I really like seeing let's plays with commentary on Nier Automata and I'm always like I'm always reading fan fiction and listening to the soundtrack (laughs) every day and like I check the fan fiction tag like like it's my daily newspaper like I wake up and I'm like let me check the tag and then I listen to the soundtrack and get sad at work every day and yeah I love that game sounds like oh gosh have you actually (laughs) like oh sorry go ahead James I was going to say, like, I can understand where you're coming from, where when you really become a fan of something and then you just want to see how other people think about what you really enjoy. Like, that's probably me with uh, Trails in the Sky. 
So I understand entirely what you're talking about, and I can definitely see that with Nier Tom there because I actually um, I was so excited for that game after like coming off of being the original Nier like really early this year that I imported the Japanese version because it was coming out like a few weeks earlier, and I so I played through it, and man, that's definitely my game of the year this year. Like, Yay! It's very special. I imported the uh, soundtrack. I'm going to import the unused tracks that release, I believe, next month. Yeah. Yes, they they released nine days before my birthday, so I already told people, like, hey, if you want a birthday present to give me, that's totally it. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. That's that's amazing, (laughs) because personally, yeah, I I actually started near uh, Automata about... Um, actually, it was a while ago, and then uh, because of all the games I had to review, I couldn't get back to it. I only recently did uh, as of last week, but I've gotten a, a good amount into it, but I needed to stop because I was starting to feel burned out on video games because I played a bunch of stuff for the site back to back to back, and I couldn't really focus anymore on the experience, and I felt like I was doing Nier Automata a disservice by not paying attention closely enough to the storyline because my I guess it was just in my head. I was like another uh but let mm. let it be known though it is a very well made game and i'm excited to play more of it and i will be getting back to it this week but uh you know i haven't even gotten to the first ending yet so i am excited to see where things take me because um i was a huge fan i don't know if you were uh nelly uh of the original near gaston replicant those games um even despite the fact that you know you can make an argument that the gameplay isn't that great the story and the music and the characters and every, and the world building in that game were so well done that I was really excited to play Automata, which is odd considering I'm only now getting around to playing it. But um, were you? did you like those games too or did you have like an issue with those? No, this was actually my first Yoko Taro game. Uh, <laughs> I'm a little first? Yoko Taro, yeah, universe oh. baby. Uh, but yeah. I am going back to, to the near universe, and I am watching a Let's Play uh, just because I can't play it right now because I've been so busy with, like, college applications and stuff. Sure. But, um, yeah, yeah I, did play, I did play the last Drakengard game. I, I didn't get to finish it, though, because yeah. uh, I had played it at someone, <laughs> I played it at someone else's yeah. house. <laughs> but yeah, I am going back to the original Nier um, already. Like uh, one of the tracks, song of, "Songs of the Ancients" or yes. something like that. Yes. Yeah, it plays during the world map, and I immediately like got the feelings, and I was like, "Oh no, I'm crying." Even in the so opening sad. town area, like yeah, some of the music that plays is so well made. Uh, I think Adam Vitali mentioned that he wasn't uh, well into like vocal tracks, but here it was kind of different, you know, because it also lends into the culture the game is trying to create you know uh the, the world mm. it's like like these this sort of made up language that they that they created for this game in particular uh sort of lends itself to the atmosphere that it has and so for the sure. ambience really yeah for sure and in automata i think it does really well in so you have this open world that's very bare and uh empty which is supposed to i mean it would be weird if it wasn't just because of the themes of the game yeah but the injection of the vocal tracks really makes it feel alive even though it's so empty um there's like traces of life that seep through all the dullness and all you know where you see the remnants of civilization there's little bits of life that come through the surface just because of those amazing vocal tracks absolutely yeah like, i'll 
say one thing about the soundtrack is on its own, the soundtrack is amazing. Easily. Yeah. It, it's been a pretty, um, pretty tough year for uh, video game soundtracks, not in the sense that there haven't yeah. been good ones, but there have been a lot of good ones. So yeah. it's really, really hard to kind of narrow it down. But even then, I do think that Near Tom the definitely is still the best soundtrack of the year. For sure. I'm offended by think... any game of the year list that don't include it in the best audio or soundtrack section. Like, what, Yeah, like, but what? what I was going to say is <laughs> not only is the soundtrack amazing, though, but the audio design is. like The soundtrack yes. itself will, is kind of dynamic in a way where certain parts of the song will fade out or come in during yeah. certain parts of the story. And, it, and the way it works out is just... Really, that seamless I transition like really, between the hacking po- moments and ooh. then the actual real world. Yeah, I think the audio design in that case really elevated the entire soundtrack to the next level. Yeah, yeah. that's the that's the tremendous uh, ability of Okabe. <laughs> He's so good at what he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, going from, like, as you said, when it starts the hack and it turns into, like, a sort of a chiptune version of that track while you're in the midst of combat is... Uh, a sight to behold, especially when you get to that first like resistance camp and you hear that first vocal track, for example, uh, it sort of so sweeps good. you. Yeah, sweeps you along. So I'm so freaking glad that I imported the soundtrack when it first came out in Japan because I got the hacking track CD as well. That's right. They they didn't bring them over to the West, so uh, people were kind of, at least in America, they didn't. I think they might have them in Europe, just not America, which is a shame. Um, I could be completely wrong and they may have corrected that but i think that that could still potentially be the problem but yeah that that just kind of leads into the fact that uh unless in about a month like i said before we're gonna have our game of the year discussions and i feel like that's gonna be brought up a ton which is why i want to beat it <laughs> so i can actually talk Yay. with you guys because uh, don't need the, to beat the so end. So. It's the worst part when you're pl- you're reviewing RPGs and covering RPGs. The fact that you need to spend about you know thirty fifty hours to beat a game before you can have a good discussion about it, uh, and otherwise when you go to the game of the year, it's just straight up spoilers. I think actually this year might in fact be the most prepared we are as a site to do a game of the year podcast because before a lot of the time it was just one or two people that had played a game and they had to sort of convince the rest that it was worth considering like for example uh, i think i was the only one before who had beaten yakuza 5 um and so i was the only one who could really lead the charge on that when that was part of the discussion um same with um trails in the sky of course or trails of cold steel uh divinity original sin actually was uh come from behind victory because uh there was all this discussion about making i think it was dragon age inquisition was uh on the fast track eventually i think we bumped it out of the discussion entirely at some point because we were arguing against the combat system but um i think i was just it was just me and i think maybe adam who actually talked about divinity original sin and was able to convince everybody else that it was worth making game of the year so i'm excited to see uh, how things will go this year because I think all of us have at least played a few of the major titles, which is amazing. Well, except for Utawara de Mono, unfortunately. Fair enough. I wouldn't call that a major title, and I don't know how that will go. Uh, but at the same time, the fact that we're in a year of a new console and we played some of the console RPGs uh, on the new platform, although to be fair, I think all we've got right now is Breath of the Wild and um, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and out in two weeks. So, uh, But I think that even then, we'll have a few people who have played it and maybe even beaten that game even uh, yeah. by the time, which is totally different because I think before Xenoblade Chronicles 1, um, 
I think only Josh had played it for review, so we were kind of stuck. <laughs> it was really <laughs> tough. I think that may have won best. I, I don't know if that won best soundtrack or something like that, but it was up there. Uh, but we'll see. So me and James oh, are gonna totally fight oh, for Nier Automata for soundtrack. I just, I just realized I've been listening to the Xenoblade Chronicles two soundtrack, and that might oh. actually be the one competitor that Nier Automata has. I don't know. There's <laughs> Divinity Original Sin two has a great soundtrack. I actually have got to get back. I haven't to that played game Divinity too. yet. I should too. And oh, also, yeah. despite my gripes with Persona five, that soundtrack is yes. just objectively fantastic. That's one game that I haven't. Uh, I haven't played yet. I've listened to the soundtrack, some of the songs, but like that might be the one game I may I may not get to this year. Yeah, it's ridiculously long. That's like, oh God. exhaustingly. I don't own Apparently, it. Apparently, Xenoblade is even longer though. Which oof, hundred plus Yikes. hours. It's like the Dragon Quest Seven. Yeah, I, again, <laughs> hundred hours Josh before you beat the just, game. Normally, um, <laughs> finished chapter four the other day, and when he put his preview up, he had over thirty hours in the game and there's ten chapters, so Oh god. Yeah, he was playing it a lot, so I can only imagine um how much uh time you're gonna need to put aside to actually At least a hundred hours. God. I mean to be fair, like I assume he was doing the proper thing for a reviewer and doing a lot of the side content. So if I guess like if you maybe not all of it, but a lot yeah. of yeah. I did that thing where I reviewed Chairs of Cold Steel and I was talking to each and every single student uh, in the in the school before I would move on to another chapter or story event. So I spent about 80 hours there. So I can only imagine how much <laughs> you can cut out if you didn't care much about it. Uh, but yeah, actually, um, that's that's going to be an exciting discussion to have and I, I'm, I can't wait to have it. Of course, we'll announce that on our podcast when we're going to have it. I think it's going to be uh, sometime in December, but the results won't go up until January typically. So just know that... Uh, uh, everyone who's listening should be in for a really good discussion about that stuff and all the decisions we make. Sounds like it's going to be very well thought out as opposed to the past where, you know, most of it was thought out, but there was still some things where it's like we kind of gave up and said, well, you sound like you know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and later, later very that. good year for RPGs this year, yeah. so it's going to be interesting yeah. to see who comes out on top. I mean, last year was Shin Megami Tensei Four Apocalypse, which was a great game in itself. Now we've got like multiple really strong contenders uh, to look at. So, and Fire Emblem Face was this year, right? Or was that last year? That was last year. Oh, Fire Emblem Echoes is this year. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Fire Emblem Echoes, yeah. Fire Emblem Fates, I think we had problems between, like, the two versions. Like, one was great, the other wasn't. And we were arguing over whether that means we should even really strongly consider it because there was a weaker side. So, that was the whole thing about that. Anyway, uh, let's move into, James, what you've been playing. Now, um... I've been playing uh, way too many games this week, so I'm only going to be talking about two. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually wanted to talk about this first game, Odea, the Sky Soldier, because um, back when uh, I went to E3 with another member of the site, Andrew, he he was with me at the time, and he got to play some of that uh, of Odea on the the Wii U. Um, Actually, I think it actually was the Wii version, excuse me. Uh, No, the Wii U version. I was at, I played Odea at E3. You're thinking of E3 2015, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, they had it on the Wii. Yeah, they that's had the right. Because they had the they had both versions. It's because Nice America had it there, and right next to it was the Sky Five, and I was only focused on the Sky Five. Yeah. So, I'm uh, just gonna yeah. make it very clear at this point. Um, so I've played a bit of the Wii U version about halfway through the game, and I've played the entirety of the Wii version. If you're ever going to play Rodea the Sky Soldier. You're gonna have to buy the Wii U version to get the Wii version, but just yeah. completely ignore that Wii U disc. Play the Wii game. Just completely ignore the Wii U version because that's weird. The uh, development, um, the whole development for for Rodea is a bit weird because the game was announced in like 2010 for the Wii was basically already completed, 
and then uh, Kadokawa decided that they were going to they were going to port the game to 3DS. So they started porting the game to 3DS, and it took so long that eventually the Wii U came out. The Wii was not really economically viable anymore, so they ported the 3DS version to Wii U, and then the Wii version, which was already completed, already had discs printed, had everything ready. They just um, had Wii discs with the first print run of the Wii U version. So, the game is sluggish in the Wii U version. Like, the whole thing about the game is it's kind of like a mixture between Nights and Dreams and, like, Sonic Adventure and something like that. Yeah. Which, depending on the type of person you are, your opinions on those two games, that could be a good or a bad thing. Um, for the most part, it's good. The controls are a bit weird where you have the pointer and you have to kind of point at where you want to fly to. And it's kind of like Gravity Rush where you uh, just you're floating around like that. Yeah. Um, and then you're attacking enemies and then there's platforming um, using like what you can fly to and what you can't fly to. And most of the time it's really fine. Um, one of the interesting um, little things that Rodea has is that depending on which way you flip the remote, and it's not Wii Motion Plus, it's just based off of like what the cursor sees you'll arc in a different direction um, while you're flying to something. And there's actually certain enemies where you have to stun them and then, like, flick in a certain direction to be able to kill them. And it's pretty interesting, but... Um, I remember it being difficult to manage. I mean, Andrew was a natural at it, but when I was trying to play it, it was pretty difficult for me to figure out. I assume it's just like anything, you know, once you get the hand of it, it's a lot easier, but boy. Yeah, I will say, though, that the controls... Not it's not really a problem with the controls themselves, but more of a problem with the Wii um, sensor bar. Hmm. Is if you uh, obviously if you kind of point your remote outside of the range of the uh, sensor bar, then you're going to be stuck going in one loca- in one like direction. So you need to keep uh, making sure that you kind of flick, but don't flick too hard because then that can mess up the controls entirely. I feel like it would actually be a better game to emulate because the entire game you just play using one Wii remote and you do have like walking around controls with the uh, directional pad. But besides that, it's basically just A button, B button and using the like Wii remote cursor and whatnot. I feel like it's definitely something that you could probably play fairly easily on Dolphin if you like set up the controls and actually, because of the problems I was having with the Wii sensor bar, that might actually be a better way to actually play the game. Fair enough. I mean, that's it's odd to say uh, to hear that the fact that the Wii version is better than the Wii U version, but it just sounds like maybe they felt they had problems with the, as you said, the development of that game, of that entry. I yeah, it's definitely better on the Wii. Um, like the Wii version looks worse, runs worse, and plays worse. It's just play the Wii version. I had some problems with, like, <laughs> late in the game, like, the final boss fight. Like, I was enjoying most of the game. There were some problems, like, with the camera controls and whatnot. But for the most part, really interesting game. And I kind of have a guilty pleasure for uh, Yuji Naka, like, 3D platformers and whatnot. I was, I guess, Knights isn't really a platformer. But a few weeks ago, I was mentioning about how I felt like it actually ages fairly well. Enjoyed the game. So, I don't know. The final boss fight can go uh, screw itself, but besides that, good game. Um, I heard that the final boss wasn't good. I do remember hearing about that. I put a tweet out just yesterday, or no, like this morning, I guess, because I was up pretty late trying to 
beat that douche. Um, basically said that I felt like the final boss fight in Rodea is like a combination of the worst parts of the final boss in Sonic Adventure and Sonic Adventure 2. That's right. I remember that. Okay, that makes sense. God, the last yeah, boss yeah. in Sonic Adventure Two, though, it had some yeah. great music. Though that's that's what I remember the most about that one. But yeah, uh, yeah. I do remember Rodea had a pretty had a decent soundtrack as well. So that's a good soundtrack. Yeah. Um, the other game that I'm going to be talking about is Gurumin, a monstrous adventure. In a lot of ways, it's kind of similar. The controls are all right for the most part, but um, probably my least favorite uh, Falcom game I've played so far. Not that it's a bad game, just controls are a bit floaty. Did you ever play Gurman? Or... Actually, and I do remember having a good time with it. It was pretty addictive, uh, and the char- it was all bright and colorful and charming, and I-, I enjoyed the characters. It's got a really nice look to it. Once again, great soundtrack, but that's Falcom, so that's kind yeah, of... Yeah, Falcom, you know... we kind of got expected to have exactly. a great soundtrack. Yeah. But yeah, I-, I-, I do remember enjoying it. it. It's not anything, you know... I wouldn't say anything, you know. It's not a must novel, play, but... you know. It's it's kind of yeah. It's 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 its own thing. But for what it's worth, I, I liked it. In a lot of ways, it reminds me of Billy Hatcher. Ah, yes, I do remember playing that game. Uh, the demo, at least. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't think I went past that. Yeah, not too much to say about Gurman. It's a Falcom soundtrack, so it's great music. Um, the controls, I again, I kind of had a bit of issues with. It felt a bit floaty, and the uh, hit detection for some enemies was a bit odd. And then. What really got me that kind of really annoyed me is how you had to sometimes like use a powerful attack on enemies to get their armor off before you could actually damage them. But unless you completely charge it up and like do a like dash through the enemy to take off the armor, you kind of have to stand in place and just drill around yourself in an attempt to try and get the armor off. And that got really annoying really quickly, especially on the final boss battle. It's good to hear I mean, I mean, it's it's. It makes me wonder if you know if if they're ever going to do games like that anymore because it seems like they're so beholden to their Charles the Sky sort of formula. Because even uh, Tokyo Xanadu is kind of like the same thing. Uh, you know, Xanadu Next, of course, is a totally different thing, which is yeah. just it's just more like it's obviously is a game that they put out a while ago that they're only now bringing in here. But uh, it makes me, it makes me wonder if they're ever going to break out of that and go back to games like Guru Man ever again. Even Ease is that he um even Ease eight has a bit of the uh Yeah. You got that billboard, you got those side quests with short, medium and long time frames. It's like Yeah, outside of the combat it's actually kinda of similar to the yeah, the Trails of the Sky or Trails of Gold Steel sort of formula. Um not to sort of discredit East Eight or any of those games because Oh yeah, East Eight was my Game of the year last year on Vita when I imported it. So yeah, it's a pretty great game. Some combat, uh, you know. Um, I will say about Tokyo Zenitsu, just kind of going to be off topic for like a second here. I'm going to be right back, but I feel like that game, especially, it's not a fantastic game in its own right, but it's a very what's the best way to put this. It's a game that has a lot more to offer to Falcom fans. Like, if you've played a lot of Falcom games, you're going to get a lot of references that are going to make you laugh your ass off. Like, um, I remember when one of these characters got uh, introduced, I think his name's Yuki, like, he's the hacker kid. Did you play Tokyo Zanadu, or...? You for the no. site? Uh, myself, yeah. so... No chance. Yeah. Well, 
basically when you first meet him, there's a scene that's very heavily reminiscent from to a scene from uh, Zero no Kiseki, where you meet this uh, one character named Yona, and he's like this hacker kid, and he's like in this like computer terminal room, and you hear this one sound, like one music track in the background in this whole cutscene. So the same exact sound, like the same exact music track plays when you're introduced to Yuki because he, or whatever his name is, might be saying it completely wrong, I'm sorry. And it's very much a reference to Yona from uh, Zero no Kiseki. And there's a bunch of stuff like that. So. I don't know, I'm tired today. <laughs> no, man, it's fine. It's 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 hard to like, compare it because I was excited for Tokyo Xanadu. Um, and then our review for the site, it didn't seem like he was that high on it. But then again, that could just be his individual opinion. Uh, Tokyo Xanadu EX Plus is out here pretty soon. Uh, so I'm curious to see exactly how that'll go because uh, they did build a sort of like an amalgamation. The, uh, translation. Yeah, so. there was some translation issues that sound like they were like, it was kind of computerized, you know, like no characters, they didn't bring out their personalities that very well, so they tried well, to fix it with this. I wouldn't say that was the problem with Tokyo Zanadu. That was more of the problem with EZ8. It was kind of an opposite problem. I think problem all of them had it, actually. I think Tokyo Zanadu had that problem, too, if I'm not mistaken, because it sounded like they didn't really, like, individualize the characters that well. If one of them that is not the problem that Tokyo Zanadu had, at least from what I've played and from what I've seen. Basically, oh. the problem with Tokyo Zanadu is that it was... It was it wasn't very um, consistent. Like they had like four or five different ways of saying the same term, even though it was the same Japanese characters and the Japanese scripts. Oh. Um, some characters were a bit over edited. There was like some pretty uh, liberal translations that kind of got under some people's skin that didn't seem to really flow pretty well with the rest of the translation. I don't know. Just, from what I've seen, from what I've heard, it wasn't very consistent, which was kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum compared to EZ8. That's kind of been the story this year, right? It's been uh, disheartening to hear these uh, reveals about that. I mean, some of that I could I could tailor towards, like, that's overreaction in some cases. But, you know, you've got a lot of these games that have been facing uh, backlash for... Uh, bad localizations or you know below average localizations because it kind of started with persona 5 then you've yeah. got daguerre v3 and east 8 and tokyo xenadu and all this stuff because i mean clearly there were other games in the past that had uh localization issues uh we were talking before about like arno surge and atelier Shally and all these other ones uh but it wasn't for like sort of more higher profile or at least more anticipated games like these ones are so it's kind of showing that more time needs to be put into the localization process and not so much about the quick turnaround, you know, and that's what it kind of feels like and that they need, they need to invest more in that process. Cause it feels like games are getting bigger. Cause that's clearly what it feels like. These are massive, massive games and they're just not getting the time that they need. Oh God, that reminds yeah. me. I need to play Danganronpa before game of the year discussion too. Uh, something tells me that's not yeah, going to Yeah, I'm list. trying to get through it myself <laughs> From right what now I've too. seen, it's a very much a love it or hate it game. Like, there's some yes. people that really do love the twist at the end and then there's some people that just really don't love it. So mm. Yeah, I heard there's also a, a disparity in the opinions regarding the ending. So, like, people in the East tend to favorite it a lot more than people in the West. So I'm interested in seeing how that plays out. Sure. Yeah. I haven't been completely spoiled on the ending, but from the bits and pieces I've heard, I feel like I'll actually really like it. So, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's that's the beauty of what we do. It's that, you know, everyone has a different background in the games they appreciate. Um, some people put story over gameplay or others put gameplay over story. So clearly um, it'd be nice to hear like your opinions on all those things. So definitely if you've got the time, get around to it. 
I just wonder if uh, when you've got that leveled with games that are being shipped broken, pretty much, it's it's like this weird like wake up call to the industry and see if that actually means anything next year because we've still got some big games coming out in 2018 uh and i'm curious to see what exactly is going to happen uh and you know the fact that east 8 we were talking about that the localization uh, is supposed to come out sometime early next year and so uh if they really changed it because we did hear that um there was that controversy before about whether or not, or actually it was all misunderstanding apparently, uh, the voice of Green Schwartzer, whether he was actually going to participate in the um, the fixes that were going into E-States. Oh, it was not a misunderstanding because he outright said that he was not going to do it. Yeah, so, yeah. Something but changed. I, I, something changed, but I, I wondered if it was, actually I think it was that it, it's not like it was more like not not so much that he was not going to do it. It's more like a misunderstanding about uh, the people that get the rights to say Trails of Cold Steel Three. I don't know if it had anything really to do with East Eight uh, so much, based on what you and Josh were talking about before. It didn't really sound like that. It's not like he was still kind of, you know, even if he would or not, because he. I forget uh, what was going on, but yeah, that East Eight. They're already uh, he lost the gravelly voice apparently. Um, I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm bringing up Green Schwartz or DC. It's not Trails of Cold Steel, but uh, the fact that um, I forget what was the character's name again. Um, Hummel. Hummel. Yeah. So uh, he said, you know, uh, on a tweet he sent out. I forget as a tweet or a Facebook post, but he basically said um, he may have lost the gravelly voice, which is a shame. But he was happy to go back to that character, and he finished his work. So it seems like they're on the right track, and um, that just shows like one of the main characters being done. Sounds like Nice America was able to get uh, the people that they needed to to do that work, and so uh, we're looking towards something that could potentially be. A heck of a lot better. It doesn't. I just don't know whether that means people are going to, you know, give Nisa a, a second chance. <laughs> whether that is going to translate into uh, better sales elsewhere on PC, it could be big for them. Uh, I just don't know what if it comes to like other platforms, you know? Cause yeah, when they release it on PC, though, they're going to probably have to discount it a good portion because it's going to be very late by the time it comes out. Yeah, I mean, I, I assume yeah, it's going to launch at a, a lower rate than they probably previously assumed it was going to be um but you know for what it's worth uh those falcon games tend to sell extremely well when sales are on so i'm um, curious to see uh what the opinion of it if they're if if like sort of the um what the mind share is going to be at that point if people are going to i'm like definitely to interested to see yeah. what exactly they change in the script yeah so, uh, apparently it's like an almost nearly 100 percent rewrite for the voice dialogue so we'll see um, yeah but yeah uh for me, nothing. <laughs> I talked about how I was, kind of, I was a little burned out from video games. I did play some Nier uh, Automata. I keep Woo! messing up how to pronounce that. But yeah, Nier, Nier Automata. Automatron. Automata. Uh, Automata. <laughs> so. We argue on the Game of the Year podcast, like, it's Automata. No, it's Automata. No, well, it's... It's when you have people like Sean Layden coming up on stage and mispronouncing it. I keep getting thrown off. Uh, so I'm I'm happy to see. Uh, let's just figure out what it's going to be, and then we'll get to it. But, yeah, that that's that's kind of what the only thing I really played uh, after beating Horizon Zero Dawn. And that was prior to the last podcast. So excited to get back to it. So let's get into news. And we're continuing our conversation about Neon Falcom, in fact, because uh, we heard before that they, uh, from a, an interview that they had, uh, I think it was from Mitsu, that they intended to bring, or, or is it Dengeki, anyway, they were intending to bring the Trails of Cold Steel games uh, to the PlayStation 4, 1 and 2. Uh, so, people who don't know, Trails of Cold Steel 3 was released exclusively for the PlayStation 4 in Japan. 
obviously this caused a big uproar, uh, as you can imagine, because obviously all the other people were expecting another PS3 release, just like the other games. Uh, it kind of reminds me of when Sky 5 was announced as a PlayStation 4 exclusive. Uh, Japan was also upset about that, and that translated to less than expected sales. Uh, but um, for what it's worth, it sounds like Chelsea Cold Steel 3 has been doing pretty well uh, in Japan, despite that. And so Neon Falcon revealed that we've got Chelsea Cold Steel 1, Thor's Military Academy 1204, the remaster, Announced for PlayStation 4. You're forgetting Akai in there. Akai. Tra- yeah, it's Trails of Code Steel 1, Kai. This is the title that yeah uh, that uh, Kai put there. But yeah, it sounds like, James, that they put all the enhancements from the PC release in here. Um, it's not necessarily the PC enhancements, but it does seem like a lot of the same types of enhancements that the PC version got are That's going I mean, to be yeah. represented here. Like, there's a bit of a turbo mode. I believe it's mm-hmm. four times in battle, two times in in the overworld and 60 fps and up to 4k on the on the uh, pro so good updates all around also it's supposed to have um save data transfer for um trails of cold steel 2 kai when that hits and also if you have a trails of cold steel 3 save data on your system it'll actually let you uh basically unlock all the new game plus options from the get-go that's pretty sweet. Uh, I, I was kind of amazed when I heard that. And the fact that uh, soon enough, uh, you'll be able to play the entire Trails of Cold Steel series on a single platform. I guess you can kind of already do that on PC until Trails of Cold Steel 3 comes out there, because I'm assuming eventually it will, just based on how successful that has been. But that's amazing. Uh, now that's I just wonder if they were going to port all the... Uh evolution ports to ps4 because previously before trails of cold steel 3 you could literally play every trails um trails game on the vita in japan yeah i guess natively natively i would i I personally i think i would rather see those on pc i don't know because like playing those games on a console like that seems kind of off you know because it's like we're talking about a oh, i guess yeah, they did definitely. come out on pc before but yeah because we're talking like back in the mid 2000s when they originally were made but the evolution games yeah, uh, the trails in the sky trilogy yeah. especially i got a lot of mileage out of that just using the mouse like i played all three of those games just using the mouse it's yeah. really nice like just it's... kind of lay back and play with the mouse game it's really nice really intuitive controls yeah. And the fact I need to that play those games really yeah. badly. You're in luck because they added a turbo mode to those games as well on PC, so you'll be cutting out a lot, like a lot of hours, and so it's probably the best time to ever play them. Nice. I don't think I'll ever use the turbo mode on those games. Uh, I actually kind of like the uh, slower pace. Blah, blah. That actually turned me off those games for a while because I didn't like how incredibly slow the first game was at the beginning. Um, so I might go back to it only because that, I mean, obviously you're not going to speed through the story. You're going to speed through like the hours of grinding that you do or trying to just get from one place to the next. So I don't, you don't really grind and trails in the sky. Yeah. But there's a lot of slow walking. <laughs> there's a lot of like, just like just mindless stuff that I'm glad that this will help kind of cut out a lot of that stuff. So yeah. especially when you talk about like, even if it's not that much going over the the course of like three games, like you can really cut out like tens of hours just by doing that. So um, I think that if anything, uh, someone like Natalie okay. who wasn't used to those uh, games, it'll be easier, more approachable that way. Yeah, actually, let me kind of amend my previous statement. If I was going to replay Trails in the Sky second chapter, which I'm sure I will eventually, I will use the turbo mode for that last chapter. Yeah, uh, and I, 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 if I played Trails of Cold Steel again, I would use it throughout the Nord Highlands because. 
Fuck that place. Same. That is yeah. such an annoying place. That was the worst decision they could have made to add that. Like, it was in Alva at first. Like, oh, there's a big, open, expensive area. You got a horse. And then after, like, the first, like, two or three encounters, like, this is the most atrocious thing. It takes me forever just to get from one place to the next. I got to deal with all these enemies in between. So, yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. Natalie, if you ever, have you played the Cold Steel games at all? I haven't. I'm really excited to play them eventually, just because all the people that I, you know, all my friends that I trust and everything, um, each one of them says, like, it's really worth your time. It's of an investment, but they're worth your time. I'd say actually play the Trails in the Sky games first if you can. Okay. But, um, yeah, Trails of Cold Steel, if you really have to, it's, it's fine to start with Cold Steel just... Make sure before Cold Steel 3 comes out in the West that you play the rest of the games first because yeah. kind of important. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> okay. definitely you'll, you'll miss out on references if you don't. But like, for example, I didn't play... Well, obviously we can't get throughout the games because we're missing Alan Zero and Okaseki. But um, for what it's worth, even if you decide to start on Cold Steel just for you know a more modern experience, uh, they they do set it up to be a game where you could just, you know, it's meant to be a thing you can just start off on, even if you have not played the other games. Uh, of course, we would recommend it. I think you would really like Josh and Estella's characters. Uh, they're pretty great, and the writing is superb. So uh, I think that's what will to carry it. And, you know, like we said, you can always lean back on the turbo mode just so that you don't have to set up, uh, put up with sort of the slow moving if you're not into that kind of stuff. But, you know... It's exciting to see that stuff happen, and um, hopefully we'll hear a localization announcement pretty soon, because for what it's worth, even with some of these additional features, obviously the translation's all done, so like it shouldn't be that much work, right? I would hope. But game development's hard, so I can't speak for that. <laughs> so, yeah. Fine. So moving to the next piece of news that we've got here, Sega, out of nowhere, uh, sort of, announced Shining Resonance uh, is going to come to the PlayStation 4 as Shining Resonance Refrain. Now, this is a game uh, as part of the Shining Force series, technically. Uh, it was released back in 2014. Never localized, um, but it is a turn-based RPG. And I was... Wait a second. Isn't this the game that caused all of those YouTube videos to get taken down or something? I th- no, that was uh, Shining Force, I think, that they just took down the Shining Force videos, uh, the playthroughs. I don't think it was anything to do with Shining Resonance at all. I do know that uh, I was following somebody who was putting up um, English subbed uh, subs uh, of this game that they were playing through, but they, on their own, decided to take them down. I don't know why, uh, but that really bummed me out because the game looked great uh, for the time anyway. I mean, for the whole concept is a playstation 3 rpg that's uh, some interesting characters and this sort of uh reliance on music as the theme kind of like eterno sonata was and so i was very curious about that like even a lot of the characters play their own instruments and so it's kind of nice like the violin and the cello so i was curious about it now this is still only a japanese only uh, announcement so we don't know if it's going to come over but it makes perfect sense it wasn't localized because it was a ps3 game in 2014 of course not um but uh they did say that this is going to have Upgraded visuals and performance, uh, which is good. I heard that there was actually some like weird slowdown issues with the original release, so that's nice. Um, and 150 pieces of DLC. Uh, there was a lot of costumes for this game, like an unbearable amount of uh, going back to older games and uh, like weapons and items and equipment. It was worse than like a Neptunia game. It was like so much DLC. Uh, and they did add some other stuff as well, such as uh, new story events, new dungeons, uh, more costumes. 
Uh, and there's actually the reason it gets its name refrain is because it's actually going to be a mode in the game, uh, which is allowing you to see the viewpoints of Excel and Genius, uh, two of the other characters, uh, in a new what if storyline. So clearly you would you would kind of the the way that the the story would branch in places it didn't previously. So that's kind of interesting. It's going to be out at the end of March. Um, so the fact that it's going to happen then, I mean, it's definitely not going to be out here anytime in this fiscal year <laughs> if they decide to bring it over. But the fact that um. Sega's and especially even Atlas have been far more open about localizing games that they usually don't, like Utoro Mano, uh, leads me to believe that we'll get this eventually because it seems like this is something that would definitely find a fan base here, you know? Yeah, I, mean, I definitely feel like um, Sega, especially in the last few years, have been taking advantage of having Atlas USA basically be, well, they are Sega employees at this point, but yeah. they've been taking advantage of that to kind of localize a lot of properties that maybe had never received localizations before maybe just got skipped over in the past like uh seventh dragon was a good example of that shame what happened with the whole uh leak thing but yeah <laughs> point out that um this is definitely a game that was well received in japan this is Media Vision, you know. Uh, so they've made some pretty good games in the past. And so I was curious to see uh, um, exactly how this would be received. And it also has a great soundtrack. Um, people don't know is Junpei Fujita, uh, who previously worked on, for example, like, um, what was it? I think he worked on Wild Arms XF. And so that's, that's one of the games that he worked on. He's worked on like a ton of anime as well. Uh, so I think he worked on the, yeah, I did the, like the Symphro Gear game, uh, anime. If people watch that, um, Mushiuda, I think it was like the, um, I think he also did the music for like, uh, I think Fruit of Gazaya. Actually, I think he did the music for that. So, I mean, he's, he's been around for a bit. Um, and so I'm curious to see if this will be localized, but, um, like I said, for what I heard, people like this game in Japan. And so, uh, it would lead me to believe that this could be well received in, in America as well. So hopefully Atlas is uh, already on uh, like on task on that stuff because it's not like they have a whole lot of else coming out in 2018 per, um, as far as I can tell from Atlas. So this will be a good uh, feather in their cap for 2018, I think. So we'll see, we'll see. Um, but I'm I'm hopeful because man, um, it was great to see uh, this game and actually. It's kind of funny, if I'm not mistaken, I think this is, uh, I forget who the artist uh, of this game was. Let me um, let me look this up real quick, because I, I know it's like a very famous uh, anti artist. <laughs> I think it's Tony Taka, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> was it, do you, uh, James, you know who Tony Taka is? No, I do not. Oh, okay. So yeah, he uh, apparently, uh, he's been doing the, the Shining games for a while, like ever since they kind of switched over with like Shining Tears and Shining Hearts and Shining Blade. So yeah, he does a lot of hentai, is what I heard. Uh, so is, is art. I think they even put out like a figure for this game and it's highly, uh, uh, well into like, it knows its fan base pretty much. So uh, it, at least um, it's a very colorful game. It's got some interesting characters, so we'll see. Uh, so speaking of March, though, um, Koei Tecmo did announce this past week Atelier Liddy and Suell uh, is coming in the North America and Europe uh, late March. And so that's been confirmed, um, which, you know, the, for people who don't know, the, uh, this is uh, the end of the trilogy uh, of the mysterious trilogy, I guess is what they call it, um, which started with uh, Atelier Shally. Uh, yeah, no, oh, it's Atelier Sophie, excuse me. Uh, and then Atelier Ferris, which was out earlier this year, and now we've got 
uh, Atelier, Liddy, and Sewell. And so I would assume, based on the videos that have been going out, they're sticking with the sort of the bigger open world aspect of it. Um, but in this case, because it has a focus on paintings, you're going to immediately go into these different environments. And so you get way more a taste of the uniqueness of the world that they're crafting. And for what it's worth, it does feel like they're taking a lot of the elements from uh, Atelier Ferris and, and kind of taking it to the next level. And I'm actually curious, have either of you ever been interested in playing this series at all? I have, just because the art is really pretty. Yes. But that's as far as my interest has gone. <laughs> <laughs> I own a few Atelier games, but I haven't really completed any. Like, I got... Aesha Plus because I wanted to play it before I actually got into uh, uh, what was it called? Crap, Eskin Logi Plus. I yes, Eskin Logi. Yeah, yeah, I got that at uh, Anime Expo because they had some uh, physical copies of it left. I was like, well, if I ever want to play this, and I kind of want a physical copy. This is the last chance to pretty much get one for a decent price. So, yeah. got it there, and then I also got a copy of uh, Shally Plus, and I haven't played any of them except for like an hour of. Yeah, plus I, I'm a horrible person with my backlog. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of crazy. So in this game, it they they focus on pairings for their combat. Um, I will say Escalagi Plus um, or Escalagi really. Um, I love that game. Like I gave it, I think a nine out of ten when I played it, and it was weird because I did not. I had owned, but I didn't play uh, Atelier Aisha. Uh, or Asia, so like I didn't really. I, I was jumping in the middle of a of a trilogy, pretty much is what I did, and that was my first real Atelier game that I got to play for the site, and I was excited to do it. Um, I will say at least that it wasn't that big a deal because it's like one of those things where like each of the subgenres, it were uh, in this case, it was the the Dusk trilogy, which was as you said, Aisha, Atelier Aisha, uh, Atelier Escalaji. Uh, I think it's Lodgy, in fact. And the third is uh, Atelier Shally. So they do this thing where, like, every every time they announce, it's like a new trilogy, a new trilogy, a new trilogy. And that's kind of like how they, they introduce these games. And they're all sort of the overarching story, and the characters may appear in the other games as well. I mean, they definitely do. It just depends on who. It's usually just the protagonist. could be more. So Atelier Escalagi uh, was great because the combat system was amazing. So it's kind of like that kind of like that Final Fantasy X approach where you've got a front row and a back row kind of thing. Um, but in this case, say for example, uh, so it's like a three in the front, three in the back. So the three people in the front, if they take enough damage and they use up uh, too much of their magic, for example, you can swap them to the back or whoever's like immediately behind them uh, in your the grid that you set up before. Uh, you can swap behind them and the person in the back starts to recover their health and mana over time per round which is great because like you never really get in too much trouble but it creates this dynamic and the combo system is such where you're constantly building up this little combo meter every time you deal damage and so if you're able to get it up high enough you can create this huge chain that just keeps going and going and going and gets bigger and more crazier and like the the moves that they pull off is incredible until you've got like uh the last thing you might summon is like a giant like demon that destroys the enemies at the end of it so it's it's i think that's like what really got me into the series to begin with it's like that a whole amazing combat system and it's fun uh like it was the first game that really got me into crafting i mean i assume like obviously with this series like that's of course if you don't like crafting, bread and you butter play yeah. It. yeah um 
but it was interesting to be like raising your level, unlocking new things you can craft, and just having a lot of fun with that. You know, even if it meant like sort of grinding that, it's it's something that was interesting to be able to like find the different elements that you could put on this item to make it stronger or more effective. Um, and just walk into a, a fight and just completely demolish the enemy uh, if you were equipped correctly. And as you said, Nelly, like the the style is very adorable, uh, and the writing is nice. It's it's definitely not like a weird like high stakes type of game. It's something that you could relax with. The story doesn't like go super serious a lot. Um, I mean, there's definitely some tone, like there's some time where that, that, that sets that tone, but like for the most part, it's kind of like a, a very relaxed in game to enjoy. And the fact that they're only now sort of getting these games on a on a PC, for example, uh, kind of opens it up for more people. So like Atelier um, Sophie was the first one to be released on PC, I think ever. And then Atelier mm-hmm. Ferris earlier this year was released there too. I can't say a lot for the Koei Tecmo ports because I heard their ports aren't that great, but that's kind of like the whole library yeah. <laughs> pretty much. I'm sure you know. Uh, I James. will say it's going to be interesting to see uh, how it runs on Switch because this is coming out on Switch, right? Yeah, it's, it's announced for Switch. Um, it actually, like I think it was also... Awesome. every Koei Tecmo game is coming out on Switch now. Yeah, this is also announced for Steam. I mean, like It was announced for Steam before we knew it was going to be localized, in fact, I think. Uh, so, yeah, I'm curious as well. Um, but like the only thing we've got to work with is Knights of Azure 2, I think, is the only game that's been... Like, which somehow best. runs better than the PS4 version. Yeah, so. I think the PS4 version is like the least optimized of the group, if I'm if I'm if I remember correctly. So, better, worse optimized than the Japanese Vita release? Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, there's a reason why that one wasn't localized because it's shit. Uh, so yeah, Gust. I don't know. It's hard to tell if they're making if they're having, if the Gust are the ones that are actually localizing it to, like porting it to other consoles or if Koei Tecmo has some like another team handling it. I'm not sure, but. I'm hopeful, and I think that it would be a great uh, game because you don't... I guess in this case, like, if the Vita goes under, uh, which is kind of like it's well on its way, if not already... Um, the fact that the all Switch. these games are getting pushed over to Switch so quickly pretty much signs the Vita's death warrant. Yeah, yeah. you don't need a Plus version when the Switch version exists, right? Because that's the portable yep. release, so... Uh, yeah, I, I'm actually hopeful for that, and, and like, I would love to play an Atelier game on the Switch, like, especially the way it looks, and... Um, I'm very hopeful. And the and Atelier, Lydia and Sowell looks pretty cool. Like the character, the personalities seem to really shine through from the trailers themselves, like the two sisters. So I'm curious to see how this will go. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I would recommend this series to anybody who's into sort of that more slice Wait, of life. Isn't this style. the one where one of the Ateliers is holding a gun? Yeah, that's the character. Uh, that's the sister. Yeah, the the more uh, up uh, a sister uh, series, the more mature. Not, I guess it wouldn't be mature. The more like rowdy sister uh but they love each other so it's it's like even if she's throwing a gun it's not really that big a deal uh, i might so. check it out and hearing you talk about it because i hadn't heard anyone really talk about it and what they liked about the games but i like i totally dig the idea of pretty girls demolishing things that's pretty that's much. a jam if you like yeah. <laughs> gathering materials and crafting and uh you know having fun with the combo system in those games yes i, I would say definitely i mean if you want to just start it off uh, Tilly Rorona Plus is, I think, still pretty cheap. And so, I if... will warn you for Tilly Rorona uh, Plus. Like, I haven't played too much of it. I've played, like, a little bit of it. I will say that, from what I understand, it's pretty, like, the earlier games are pretty strict with time limits. Yes. It actually, they only got rid of the uh, time limits, I think, around shally if i'm not mistaken so i mean i always had way more than enough time by the end of the game to deal with and so it's not really that big a deal um i would say it's only an issue like if you like dilly dallying a lot so 
otherwise, yeah, I mean, definitely those other games. But as far as like the way you start up, because if you think about it, I'll go. I guess to be fair, like that would only really benefit you if you had like a Vita, because then you'd be able to play pretty much every Atelier game so far on the Vita. Um, I think that hmm, Atelier Sophie isn't on the Vita, is it? Did they? They never put out a plus version of that game, did they? I might be misremembering. I think Atelier Sophie is on Vita. Let me check. Yeah. In any case, I mean, you could just straight up start with Sophie because it's on PC if you care about that, you know, or PS4. So, mm. like, I think I think recently that game was twenty bucks. I think it might still be twenty bucks. So, if you're ever interested in it, you can just try it out if you ever want to. It is on Vita in the West as well. Oh, yes. okay. I totally. I guess they must have been released at the same time. Oh well. Yeah. So moving into more news, though, uh, we've got a couple more topics we want to discuss here. So Sega. Um, speaking of Sega, uh, they announced that they're releasing a new Valkyria game. So to be clear, uh, all we know so far is that they put up a teaser site. Uh, their Twitter account made it very clear. This is a worldwide game. There's actually a language selection. So um, you can be like in France or or, or Spain or uh, or uh, in America, obviously. And there's the, the language changes for you. So this is definitely going to be a worldwide release, um, which is great right off the bat. Um, and all they've been showing so far up until the full announcement on November 20th are silhouettes. Um, so I think we're up to like eight or ten silhouettes so far, uh, which is the lineup for the squad. Um, at first, it was the assumption that this could potentially be the remasters of Valkyria Chronicles 2 and or 3. But none of the characters are recognizable from either of those games. So it's definitely a new project. Um, there was the rumor going around, uh, well, there's a couple things. One, there was an ERC, ESRB privacy certified logo at the bottom right of the site, which if you look it up, it makes it seem like this is like an online only or mobile game. But someone pointed out to me that that also, that logo is also on the Yakuza 6 website. So that kind of, you know, did away with that particular, uh, conception. But there was also this thing that was, uh, this news going around earlier this year on a, on a magazine. I think that. Sega was working with a Chinese uh, company to make an online version of Valkyria Chronicles. So that might be what this is. They don't show any platforms in the uh, in the in the in the uh, in the small details or anything like that. So we don't have any real idea. And you can't like move the clock forward. There's nothing in the source code because they're uploading images of the silhouettes on every uh, every day at noon. So it's not like we have something we can really pour into at this point. It's just we're going to have to wait until the big reveal, um, which as of today, that would be on Monday. So is there anything? I mean, I don't know if either of you really got into the Valkyria series, though. Is there anything you're hoping to get out of this? Uh. Yeah, I haven't actually really played the Valkyrie series. Oh, I do come on. have Same. The, you guys I do are really have the uh, PC version. I need to get to it. You but... need to. It is so damn good. If only Adam was here, it'd be we'd be both be like fanboying out about that. But yeah. they're amazing, <laughs> amazing games. Um, and I got to cover Valkyria Chronicles three for our YouTube channel this year, so I'm excited to hear it. Now, obviously, it's it seems like. For all intents and purposes, Valkyrie Revolution bombed really bad in Japan and America. So, like, obviously, the, that's a big... Um, I still so, don't even know why they ported it to Xbox One. It might have just been a contract thing. Xbox trying to make more waves in Japan. Uh, we talked about this before, right, with, like, Bandit Namco and such. So it, it makes some sense that they were trying to find properties that they could probably use. But um, it seemed like, from the very beginning, this was sort of a... Um, a poor 
sort of uh, uh, idea on on Sega's part. You know, uh, like they they um, it was poorly conceived because they had to first clarify that. It, d- it didn't mean that Valkyria Chronicles as strategy game was going away. It's just that this would be like sort of their break off as something, a spinoff or something like that. Like it, it's like they, it, it actually wasn't really a spinoff. It was more like they were trying to take it in two different directions. Like they would continue to make Valkyria Chronicles games and Valkyria Revolution would be its second, like sort of toe pole, like a, a tent pole for their series. And so, um, but this one bombed. It sold really poorly. I mean, the fact that uh, just like a month or two after it came out, you can get it for like 15 bucks on Amazon just kind of goes to show how poorly received it was, uh, which is, you know, obviously it's a real damn shame because it gives people the wrong impression of maybe if they, if this was like their first uh, time playing it, that this is kind of like what the series has been like, which is definitely not the case. Um, but people were sort of thinking that this might be a Valkyrie Revolution too, but no. Um, I will also say... And I mentioned this in the article. Um, they did make a mobile game for Valkyria before. It was called Valkyria Duel. Uh, it was a card-based game um, that had very... Speaking of Tony Taka, uh, they had very suggestive art in that game. Uh, so it was very over-sexualized uh, females in that. And so it was already kind of like, eh. Uh, but that closed down like a year or two ago. I think it was 2015, in fact, when that game shut down. So I would not assume that they're going to make another one of those it if they're going to make a mobile game it makes it seem pretty obvious it's going to be a strategy game if anything uh and i would assume it's going to come to multiple platforms you know uh like maybe pc and mobile if anything um and you know potentially consoles because if you think about it even if they were doing remasters final fantasy 9 came out on mobile as a remaster and then was bought to pc so it's it's definitely not unheard of but uh the fact that none of the silhouettes look recognizable makes me think that this is going to be uh, mostly original characters. Like, then it's not going to be like a weird crossover thing like Valkyria Duel was, which was like all the characters in a card game. It sounds like it's going to be way more just uh, maybe a new entry. Uh, who knows? It could be a Switch exclusive. <laughs> uh, I would love to see the reaction to that, honestly. Um, but I, I mean, honestly, like I said, it's, it's, uh, if this is going to be the new Valkyria project, I kind of hope it's a major project, you know, I, I don't want it to really be just the sort of stepping stone because the Valkyria Chronicle series is something that's like way better than it ever deserved, uh, the, the way it was received previously, um, when it came out in 2008, like the canvas engine was an amazing thing that blew people away the way it looked. Uh, I don't know if you ever, you guys ever saw it when it, when they were first showing that off, but like the water paint style to it was a sight to behold that still holds up. And the fact that it was remastered and it, it, you know, it just enhanced those visuals and it was pretty cool to see. So, um, if they're going to announce something like this and it's going to be announced in a couple of days, I hope it's a big project. Cause if it's going to be worldwide released and just be an online game, it just means that, you know, it's kind of knocking on death's door for that series. It's kind of sad to see. But we'll see. So, not to be all a bummer. Let's actually move into the next thing then, because uh, this is actually kind of cool. So, Square Enix announced that they're going to have a Final Fantasy XII broadcast on November 21st. They didn't really tell us anything further than that, but there's been some speculation on what this could potentially be. And so, um, I mean, first and foremost, it very much seems like Zodiac Age is going to get a PC release. Uh, so... Did either of you, I mean, that came out this year. Did either of you got get a chance to play Zodiac Age at all? I've had too many other games to play this year, and 
haven't gotten quite to it yet. I chose not to play it because Final Fantasy XII is my least favorite Final Fantasy. Ah, I'm actually with you on that one, honestly. Actually, yeah. Um, I'm glad I'm not the only one who feels that way anymore on the oh, team. Oh, thank God. I was really scared about saying that. Oh, no, God. no, no. Um, we, are, we are both... The, uh, I want to ask, what's your opinion on Final Fantasy X? Uh, it's my favorite one along with nine. Oh, see, we're gonna have some problems. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm such an I'm probably one of the least um I'm only the most unpopular uh, opinion uh that I've got is that I hate ten, I hate twelve. <laughs> Cause, and I, I actually definitely uh, agree yeah. with you on the twelve. <laughs> I actually like thirteen more than ten or twelve. That's why people I hate. actually I actually really like thirteen. Like I can't relate whenever people talk bad about it because I feel like it's the final fantasy that uh, expanded upon its characters the most. Like each character was given the spotlight at some point. Each character got amazing development, um, and it's a really emotional game for me. So actually, I love thirteen as far as thirteen opinions go. Yeah, I mean, I did have some issues with the way that the Falsy and LC were presented. Like, you know, why don't you just yeah, tell them what you're going to be supposed weird. to do? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. they give them like what they're they're sort of what they're supposed to be doing, like their their uh, destiny or whatever they want to call it. And they, but they find out later that they instead of like sending like this weird like telepathic message, like they can talk apparently. Why don't they just tell them what to do instead of leaving everything up to chance that they might screw up? and have to start all over again it was like this weird uh issue that i had with that but everything else um especially the combat system was pretty cool and uh, yeah. i quite enjoyed it i mean i'll obviously like i like 10 2 more than 10 just because the combat system in <laughs> 10 2 is so so great i will not yeah it's great i will not defend the fact that they held a concert in the thunder planes though because that's fucking me stupid <laughs> like who would do that um <laughs> But yeah, uh, I'm I definitely am with you. Um, I mean, twelve Zodiac Age at least. I'm more interested because the the way more ridiculous job system, especially with the fact that you can have two different jobs, sounds pretty interesting. Um, I want to defend the story though because I got seriously like I I got so disappointed in that story. The more it went on, the fact that everything just sort of fell apart and things that they could have explored like with Bothier. Uh, especially with one of the revelations that they have in that story, they don't explore it at all, and they just kind of leave it up at that point and just say, "Okay, here's another guy." Instead of having the judge uh, be the final boss, you know, and, and so like they did a lot of like really confusing design decisions in that game, and mm. the presentation was off as well. And so I, I totally understand why. Yeah. yeah. Final Fantasy XII was actually my very first Final Fantasy. Oh. I've tried to push through that game four times, and I've not beaten it Not just because I, I can't get into it. Uh, the plot doesn't grab me. The characters don't grab me. The yeah. music, in comparison to other Final Fantasy games, it's really forgettable. It's it's one of those games that I have a bad opinion on, like a negative opinion on, and I just I can't bring myself to finish it because it just doesn't grab me like i wish i could finish it but it just is so uh lacking to me so and that, yeah <laughs> that makes some sense because like i actually can't really remember any of the tracks from 12 <laughs> like i remember i mean uh even if i'll say things say bad things about some final fantasy games i will never deny that pretty much all final fantasy games um have great soundtracks like even eight which you know i mean obviously i'm like with a lot of people where it's like i didn't think that was a very good final fantasy game or game Ooh, i love eight <laughs> yeah but i will say eight great soundtrack 10 oh god yeah great soundtrack 13 unbelievable soundtrack so like um, soundtrack, yeah. oh yeah totally i mean especially um 13 2 
really really yeah. good really, really oh, good. so good it's absolutely. so underrated absolutely but yeah i went to uh i went to distant worlds a couple of years ago oh. and i know that final there was one final fantasy 12 track on the list that was the one song in the entire concert that i did not recognize i was like where does this play i don't, <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> what even is this okay i i've beaten the game and i still can't tell you any of the tracks from that game um and and that's that's kind of shocking when you think about it uh because there's always at least one or two. I mean, obviously, people who are fans of 12 probably screaming, you know, the, this particular track that they love. Um, yeah. <laughs> but outside of, like, maybe the main theme, it's it's not really anything I can I can fully remember. I even forget who the composer for that game was. Was it still Uematsu, I think, maybe? Um, I don't think so. Take... I, think <laughs> I think he left during development like uh, Sakaguchi did, so I'm not really sure yeah. about that. Um, yeah. Any grace. I, uh, I do like I the atmosphere, like the though. Because I actually... <laughs> Do not really play Final Fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Haven't anything. If uh, I eventually play one, I'll probably start with six. I feel uh, like six is amazing. I mean, really good seven, seven's pretty damn cool too. Uh, nine's great. Does Bravely Nine Default is... count as a Final Fantasy? I'm sorry, Bravely Default. <laughs> I mean, it was supposed <laughs> to be. It's, they thought about having it be Final Fantasy Bravely Default to begin with, right? Or Maybe it was reverse Bailey Default Final Fantasy, but they decided not to have that name. They went with the marketing decision not to have that name, and they were fine. But uh, yeah. yeah, man, remember Basically Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy, Fantasy Four name. Years of Light? Yeah, uh, it's. I mean, uh, Six is obviously a great, great game, and yeah. the fact that you can play it. Obviously, you don't want to play the mobile version of that game, but <laughs> uh, there are mods, in fact, for the PC version of Final Fantasy VI and maybe even V that try to evoke more of the original style to it, not the weird, like, smoothing garbage that they did to that. So um, at least there's that. Um, and, you know, for twelve, uh, when it comes to PC, it makes me wonder because they talked about with fifteen that uh, they're pretty much opening their arms to the modding community you know like uh, they're more than happy to have all that maybe once they have nude mods they might take that back though uh <laughs> but 12 if they introduce that as well to final fantasy 12 zodiac age uh let's be fair this is a remaster so that could be a whole new level of challenge for them but like if they did that i'd be pretty curious to see what they would do with that <laughs> like i can only imagine they would just remove the Vaughn character as a model and just put in like someone else like uh Bosch <laughs> about <here> instead. <laughs> um which would be weird when he's running around, you know, uh screaming his own name to the to the to the city. But we'll see. <laughs> uh Bosch of Damasca. Uh but we'll see. Uh that so that news is in a few days. Um and they also to kind of put a, a cap on this that they just released the Final Fantasy fifteen comrades multiplayer uh component. And so, for what it's worth, um, I know neither uh, none of us have played it, but um, uh, the avatars that are coming out of that are pretty cool. Like I, I actually, yeah, was, like, yeah, uh, I've seen the customization. It's not that bad. It's pretty good. It's pretty deep, and and it's kind of cool to see that. Like if if there's going to be a thing, well, like if, for example, if the only thing that really turned you off on a Fantasy Fifteen was the look of the characters or the characters themselves, you can make male and female avatars, and so you could really have at it and sort of make your own experience from that. Uh, but of course, it all kind of revolve around if you like the combat in that game. Uh, cause I wish I wish that was the only thing that turned me off from Final Fantasy Fifteen. 
that was that was kind of the I didn't like any of the main characters. That's kind of my thing. Like I didn't find any of the ones to relate to. And I think that's what my problem was with like 10 and 12 as well. Like 10, I couldn't relate to the jock <laughs> that is Titus. <laughs> so uh, I had a big problem with that as opposed to like the earlier games where like there was always at least somebody. Even 8 had like a character or two. But um, that's that's kind of tough to see. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm curious to see. Uh, I might give the 15, Final Fantasy 15 Comrades a try uh, just because it's, like I said, it's just a mode, so you can play it if you want to. And um, I know in the UK this week, it was PlayStation Plus was free, which is amazing. And so you get a lot of content out there. I might just watch streams of that game, you know, even if I don't eventually get to play it. So that's going to be kind of weird, the fact that... Um, it's kind of odd to think that there's all this content coming out for the game, a game that came out almost a year ago to the day, you know, and yeah, they really stretch it out. And it makes me think mm. that what they're going to do with Final Fantasy 16. <laughs> yeah, I'm concerned. Yeah. Concerned. <laughs> concerned. Uh, but, you know, there are certainly fans of 15 and we don't want to alienate those. Um, for what it's worth, I did hear there's some pretty cool parts of 15 and I still haven't gotten to play it yet. So eventually we will. But that won't be part of our game of the year discussion, so it's kind of difficult to sort of balance that with everything else we got to play. Still got to play Yakuza. Uh, I haven't played Zero or Kiwami, so we'll see. I've played a bit of Zero. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, you and Kyle are probably going to be the ones. Well, I don't know if anyone else in our group has played Yakuza. Oh, well, of course, um, Cosmoto. Cosmo, yeah. Yeah, Cosmo. Cosmo will, will be able to hold the discussion. He's a really big fan. Uh, so yep. yeah, uh, I think that's it for the news then. So we'll kind of bring it home. So we can find us. You can find us on RPGsite.net. Uh, we've got a ton of guides up for Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Uh, you can check that out. Um, we've also got reviews up for, as he said, Frozen Wilds. We already talked about that before. Um, Alex did a review for Elder Scrolls Five Skyrim Switch Edition. Uh, which, what it sounds like, it's like the Switch version of the game, but they don't have modding support. I think that's only the key difference there, but it's got Amiibo support, so that's kind of neat. Uh, but yeah, uh, once again, another platform to play Skyrim on. Pretty soon, you're going to be able to play it like on a calculator, I guess, at this point. It's going to be the new Doom at this point. Um, yeah, so we've, we've got that. You can also find us on uh, Twitter at RPG Site, on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash RPG Site Net, youtube.com slash RPG Site Net, Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Just search for TetraCast. Our permanent permanent Discord link, discord.me such RPG site, when Discord's actually up and not totally messing up like it has been all day today. Uh, and finally, we like to share where you can find us on Twitter. So, Natalie, where can they find you? So, you can find me at Heartemesia, which is the word heart and E M E C I A. Great. And James? You can find me at The Sweet. T at T H E S W W E E T. You can find me at Zachary. So that's it. The November 18, 2017 edition of the Tetracast. This upcoming week is Thanksgiving. Uh, so I think we'll just, I don't know if we'll have a lot of time to be playing games. So this might be a very short podcast next time, but we'll see. Uh, obviously, we've got a couple cool pro, uh, pro, um, excuse me, uh, events coming up here with the Final Fantasy XII uh, news showing up. And so we'll see about that. Is this also like a Degeki week, James? Do you know that? I do not know. Oh, okay. Well, we'll have some details about that and then a uh, full reveal of the Valkyra new project. So we'll have plenty to talk about next week. So catch us then. And thank you all for listening to the TetraCast. Bye, everyone. Bye.